Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a crowd podcast. I just grew up in it. It's just what I knew. So the operation then, Rod's in there. How do you turn pro in Australia? Like, can you tell us a little bit about that? You nervous as a 17-year-old. How are you feeling at that point? And I feel like my ability, I can beat every fighter. I just got to find out how to do it. Let's get on with it. I'm George. He's Deck. Hello. It's the George Groves Boxing Club. Good day, Deck. Oh, okay. I got it. I was here's a fun fact for you, George. I was born in Brisbane, Australia. You are some well travelled man. My mum and dad, my dad was doing a PhD in the University of Brisbane. There was like back then they sort of were appealing for Brits to go over and go to the university. And while I was there, out I came. Right, yeah. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, and I, we left when I was three. I've never been back. But Swindon had a player called Danny Invincible. And he was born in the same Brisbane hospital as me and we both ended up in Swindon. And that brings us to our next point here on the agenda, George, the Mackerel Challenge. Now, Swindon Town, the only club in the Football League with no letters from the word Mackerel in their name. We asked people, do you know any boxers with no letters from the word Mackerel in their name? We've had loads of people get in touch. Elite club member Barry Jones, former WBO super featherweight of the world. He said on Insta, Chinese fighter Zhu Shiming. George pointed out, got an M in it, mate. But... George, on Saturday night, when I was ringside at Wembley Arena trying to do my work, I got a Twitter notification from at Matt J. Kelly 4. And he has identified a boxer with no letters from the word mackerel in the name. And that boxer is John Fish. I think Matt J. Kelly's won that challenge, don't you? Just for anyone who doesn't know about John Fish, he's the Norton 5 heavyweight. Hasn't boxed since 2011. Don't care. Uh, he's from Guymon, Oklahoma, USA. But John Fish, we love you. Matt J. Kelly, we love you even more. Very well done. I saw Tom Hamp at the Wembley Arena, George. We had any um, messages about Tom this week? The back cam from the show this weekend caught him in action. It says, great to have the world famous Tom, the cameraman, as featured on the GGBC podcast, operating back cam hold. He messaged me saying thanks for getting on the show. He loved it. So um, great feedback from him and his app. Mm. So we thank him for coming on. Yeah, if Backcam UK, if you've got any spare Backcams hanging around, which I assume you have just around the house and on the floor and in, in the cupboards and that, if you want to send us a Backcam to the studio, I'm sure we'll hang upside down or dress up as Robin or whatever to do the business for you. Now, speaking of Insta, George, we had a message from VRC Carpentry and VRC Carpentry were 14,470 kilometers away in Perth, Western Australia. Now, just it just so happened last week at 14.35 on the day that we sealed the deal to get today's guest, who is Australian, VRC Carpentry got in touch and said, 
Hey lads, any chance you could get some Aussie boxers on for a podcast? Love your work, boys. Still over the moon about my shout out. Well, you've got, not only have you got another shout out, VRT Carpentry, but the universe has delivered. Who have we got, George? We do have deck, none other than the current IBF Cruiserweight champion of the world, Jai Opataya. Let's get him in. Today, deck. Yes, George. Guess what? We've what? got another cruiserweight. Oh, yeah, in the yeah. club. We, we only like cruiserweights, yeah, but, collecting it's, them. but it's a special one. Oh, yeah. Why so? He's world champion. IBF. Yep. And defending. And defending. 22-0, and 0, all the way from Australia, is, of course, Jai. Yes. Opataya. 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 Right, you've heard it here first. It's Jai and it's Opataya. This is a very special episode, Jai, because normally we'll get someone in and it'll be like a timeless episode we'll go into like a subject but we were like you're in town let's try and get him in before a fight because obviously you're here on business because you're boxing britain's very own jordan thompson did you have a nice flight or was it a long boring flight it was actually the first time i ever found a business class so there we easy. go it was, uh, but it was an experience was it was it a good business class they didn't try and palm you off with that cheap business class as nah, well? man, it it's was, not a fully reclined seat well i don't know what to compare it to to me it was <laughs> you know it was awesome did but, you sleep uh, good experience yeah slept 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 a lot had trained so much to the lead up then i just felt like i just recharged ate a lot of food and just hydrated on the plane and then yeah when I got here, I just went straight into the gym. It's kind of like a, a shop window for you, this fight, because people know you, particularly for the Breeders' fight when you won the world title. But this is your opportunity here in the UK to really make an impression on a lot of boxing fans' eyes. Is that how you're seeing it? Um, Yeah, for sure. You know, that's why I wanted to come over here as well. Show them who I am over these neck of the woods, you know what I mean? I, I feel like down in Australia, you know, they talk about it every now and then. But, you know, now that I'm here, I get to really make a statement. And it's been a long time out of the ring for you, Jai. Yeah, that Breeders' fight, when was that? Like eight? April of last year? Was it uh, July. July of last year. Yeah. So by the time fight night rolls around, that's well over a year mm. because you suffered a double broken jaw in that fight. The hardest thing about it was the, the recovery process, but it's all good now. You know, we don't even think about it. I've had that many surgeries. I, and to be honest, I look at them as upgrades. You know, I look at them as new parts <laughs> to a car. And I'm not even joking. Like, yeah. you know, my hand, I fractured my hand. My hand was bad for about five, six years. I got a new hand, my shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> the shoulder was, went on me. I got a new shoulder. The jaw went on me. I got a new jaw. Like, they're upgrades to me. You know what I mean? I feel like a machine and I train even harder. Like, it is what it is. You know what I mean? If you get a fractured jaw on each side, how's it even staying on? It was only hanging on by muscle and ligament. So it was just sagging. I was, I was sitting at the hospital. We went straight from the fight straight to the hospital. I was just sitting there. We're there Saturday or Sunday morning around like 4 a.m. And then we'll just sit. I think we got it in the Arvo because I was like saying to the doctors, like my jaw was just hanging there. Like I was waiting for someone else that was in surgery. And I was like, <laughs> what? Are they serious? Like, look at me. And then they go, oh, it's a little kid. And I was like, oh, sorry, my bad. Like, I say, yeah, yeah, take your time. But yeah, my jaw was like, was like, I was like? going like this and it was just going like... <laughs> Like it was so yeah. Crazy. So it's fractured, but it almost sounds like a break then if it's hanging and swinging. I, mean, I broke, break. I broke my jaw yeah. twice. It was broken. Mm. It was not. You see the picture. There's gone. like daylight in between the in yeah. the two pictures. There, it's literally gone both sides. What um what round was that? And was you aware of it instantly? Yeah. Well, the the uppercut he got me with on the it was either third or fourth. He got me with an uppercut that just cracked it straight away on my left side. Then I was just trying to box smart and do what I had to do. And then by the end of it, the fucking right side went. But 
Oh, no. You did yours in the judo fight, didn't you? Yeah, I broke it, but just one side, like nice clean break. Just about shut my mouth, but I had to like maneuver it in. Yeah, that's what I was trying to do through the whole fight with the left side. I was trying to bite it into my mouth guard so it was solid. And the mouthpiece, does it still fit now, or is your no, jaw changed? No, I've got changed? a whole new mouth. Yeah, the it. whole jaw change. I had to get. I still got these Invisalign because when they put my jaw back together, it was a bit off centered. They can't put it straight to where it was. So I had to get all my teeth straightened up, but I actually wanted to get my teeth straightened for a long time. So I just had to break my jaw to get it done. So. And then shout out to orthodontist, clear smiles orthopedics. They they hooked me up with, uh, you know. So the operation then, rods in there? Like how do they put that to back together? Two plates on that side, two plates on that side, but um, they took one plate out on the right side. So I still got three in there. So then if you got, a you just had plates put in your jaw, both sides broken, what are you eating? I didn't want to look at another bowl of soup for like, <laughs> you know, I was off it, but. What was, uh, it what, what, soups, it is, what soups were you on? What's uh, every, every one? Well, I, I was pumping two minute noodles, eh? Like I just crushed the whole packet up and then just cook them. I just had every flavor you could think of. So you win your world title um, in Australia. Is that the, the dream now to, to be sort of, is it stateside? Is it to fight in the UK? What is like the mindset of an Australian professional fighter? Do you feel like you're on the other side of the world, but you're really enjoying you know, fighting your home country and stuff like that? Or is there that need, which we see time and time again, where fighters from your part of the world have to go to Vegas or have to go to even the UK now? The fact that we have to, you know what I mean? Like if, if I had to choose, I'd want to fight at home. I'd love to bring these big fights to my hometown. You know, it's always been a dream of mine to have a fight in my actual hometown at Gosford Stadium, you know, and it's still on my bucket list, you know, I'm pushing hard for it. You know, we have to do these fights. We have to come over here and, you know, show the world that we are the best. You know, I don't, I don't really look at other countries or, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but I don't look at other fighters or other countries and like, I want to do that or I want to do what they're doing. I like, fuck that. You know what I mean? Like I bust my ass every day, like represent my home. You know what I mean? That's where I'm from. That's where I'm born and bred. You know what I mean? All the hard work's been done there. So why well, got to go do what's already been done with other people? Mm. Mm. Let's wheel it all the way back to when you were a kid. So you were essentially, all you've ever known is the boxing gym. That's all I do. All I've ever done is just fought boxed. You know what I mean? I, I, I had a little dazzle in the kickboxing because um, when, you, when I was like young, you weren't allowed to fight boxing until you were 14. So... My old man would just chuck me in any sort of combat sport, you know what I mean? Throw me in against these fucking giant kids. And, <laughs> Fuck, I'm going to fight him, you know what I mean? But it makes you who you are now, so. What are your earliest memories of the gym? Man, I just can't, like, just watching my dad train and him, he was training a lot of people, doing pads with people. My grandfather, I remember going to, like, Campbelltown PCYC and just fucking just running amok at the gym, eh? Like, <laughs> being told to do something and then just looking at other kids, like, just go run around, like, you know what I mean? Like, doing what you're not meant to do. It was, like, swinging off the bags. So, <laughs> And you were a kickboxer, George. That was your intro to it was, punch, yeah. punching people, it's, wasn't it? Uh, it's a familiar story, isn't it? Yeah. People, yeah, I had kickbox. Same thing, too young to box. Over here, you could box at 10 and you start competing at 11, but uh, I was seven. So, yeah, I was in the yeah. kickboxing gym for a few years before starting boxing. It's, it's a good introduction to combat sports. Yeah, isn't I it? think it is too. It toughens you up for sure. Yeah, and it's a bit more Wild West, or at least it was over here in terms of like kickboxing, because boxing was very much like, oh, it's very well organized, same age, same weight, where you go. Whereas yeah. kickboxing was like, oh, you don't fight him. Yeah. He's just like, yeah, he's about the same weight. Yeah, he's a bit right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> there was no blue books. Like, you could just get rock up to a fight night and be like, oh, no, this is my first fight. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it was dodgy. You know what I mean? But it it's, builds character, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? You just fight whoever's around your size and you were eight then first first bout eight years old yeah. what are your memories that can you remember it yeah i can remember it eh? 
shitting myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I, I actually remember rocking up to the fight night and I remember all the kids were like sort of weighing in and I remember seeing this big white kid, bro. I was going, oh, bro, he's on my sh-. I'm like, fuck, I hope I'm not fighting him. And then I, like about half an hour later, the lady comes and goes, oh, this is who you're fighting. It's that big white. I'm going, oh, no. Like, you know what I mean? Fucking getting my hands wrapped. I'm like, oh, no. And then, you know, my, my old man's like, you all right? You all right? Go out there. Win the fight, fucking the rest of history. Yeah, yeah. What you like before a fight, amateur? Because you boxed at the highest level as an amateur. We were, you know, talking before we came in, you win the world championships, cadets, which is like under seventeens, and then from there, it must be almost from there you go to the Olympic Games. Yeah, yeah. It happened real quick, man. Um, I was always the young gun on the scene. You know what I mean? I was always the young kid fighting men. You know, qualifying at like the Olympic Games when we won our first world title, like we sixteen. I was used to it, you know what I mean? And even like fighting my first fight as a kid at eight years old, that the kid was like 10 years old, you know what I mean? Like he was an older kid. So it was just something I just was always doing. Like was just always stepping up, always stepping up. Did you have boxing on in the house? Like who who did you look up to? Was it just like your dad and your family or were you like a Tyson fan or whatever? Like who can you remember watching when you were younger? As a young kid, I, I grew up boxing. It was like I had the box, you know what I mean? Like that's how I sort of treated it. So like when boxing was on, my old man used to be like, oh, come here, watch this. And he's like, oh. it was like homework, you know what I mean? Like he, 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 I honestly didn't even do school homework. It was just, soon as my old man would just be watching boxing and then if there was a good fight on or whatever, he'd be like calling me out. He'd be like, Joe, get here. He'd be like, see that, see this, this is what you got to do. And then next thing you know, he's fucking moved the coffee table out of the way. He, he's like, now do it. And I'm like, oh, fucking damn, man. I just want to go play my game. Like, you know what I mean? But um, yeah, it's just how I grew up, so. You're the youngest ever boxer to win what Australian senior title, and that was when you were 16. 16 years old. So, what was that thing. tournament like? Is that is that nationwide? Obviously, it's a big old country. Yeah, it is. It is. So, how do you get to how do you get to the finals of that? Like, is there a process like we have here? In well, England? even that, you know what I mean. I, I qualified as a youth. My dad found out that if I fought seniors, he goes, "Oh, well, if you win seniors." We got told if you win seniors, you could go to the Olympics. Someone that was like, well, fight seniors. I was like, well, fuck. I'm looking at that. <laughs> so we just went in there. And man, I was 16. And I remember these guys were men. Big fucking shoulders, big arms. I beat them just purely off boxing skill. Like mm. I had no strength. These guys could have just picked me up and thrown me out of the ring. You know what I mean? But it was just purely off feet movement, you know, ring IQ, being able to hit and not get hit. Like I was just like boxing their ears off for three rounds. And I remember even like beating some of these guys and thinking, fuck, like coming out of the ring going, I just fucking bashed that dude. Like, <laughs> I, like I was shocking myself, you know what I mean? Just yeah. my ability and like what I was doing was like, how are these guys, like I was thinking, how are these guys like not beating me? Like I'm like, I just grew up in it. It's just what I knew. It was before everything. Like people went to school, you know, fucking people grew up on farms. I just grew up boxing. Yeah. My brother's the same. He grew up coming to the gym. Like I started getting emotional and started talking about family and shit. Yeah, that's oh, the thing. <laughs> but that, it seems like it's a, that's been the key to your success boxing mm. as a, as an amateur and as a kid. Like well, that's, sure, that's yeah. all you know. Did you yeah. feel like that? My dad was similar. Not No boxing background, my dad, but like, and not necessarily on my case, but when I was really little, it'd be like, you know, boxing's on 
right, that's it, we're doing this, we're doing it, you, you're training, you couldn't miss. And there was that, that almost, when I was really young, of almost a pressure where I was like, well, I can't stop because everyone's saying I'm good at it mm. and I'm going to do this forever. And there's that sort of expectation that, why would you quit? But then you do, you, you're good at it, so you love it. Mm. And then, but there's always that element of like, yeah, yeah. do I love it or do I just love being good at it? Or do I not love it at all? I had that feeling for a while, you know what I mean? Like I stopped enjoying it and it was like I had to do it. You know, this is my only thing to do. There's a way to beat every fighter. And I feel like my ability, I can beat every fighter. I just got to find out how to do it. Everyone's beatable. Like, in your yeah, eyes. everyone's beatable. And I and without sounding too like fucking cocky, cause, but I believe with my ability, I can beat a lot of, like most of the fighters, you know what I mean? Like I can beat them. I just need to prepare properly and do it right and I can beat them. Have you ever had a fight where you feel like you haven't quite got it right? You know, I went in the Commonwealth Games as a favourite. Because I have this natural boxing and it's come to me as a young kid. I, I relied on that sometimes and I wasn't putting in 100% in, in the gym. I'd just go in there and it's three rounds, like, you know what I mean? And, I would, and I'd, I'd lose fights because I had that mentality, you know what I mean? I wasn't doing what I needed to do outside the ring. I learned so much from that, especially common games, you know what I mean? I lost to Nigeria, which I feel he beat me just because he beat me mentally. I felt like I should have outboxed him nine times out of 10, but that one time he, I just, Went out there and I didn't prepare properly. I was out drinking, having fun, you know. I was known as a young kid, the Olympic boxer around my hometown. I was enjoying myself, you know what I mean? Like, But I've, I've learned that at a young age. Like, I, I accomplished a lot at a young age, so I've also learned it as a young age, you know what I mean? Like people don't learn this stuff till they're late in their pros and, you know, they get all this fame. And but I qualified for the Olympics at 16. And then I went back to high school without sounding like I had a little name for myself. Like mm. I was getting a bit of, you know what I mean, no, notice and stuff like that. And it was getting to my head and I learned and I'm happy I did learn that, you know what I mean, how to control that. And like I said, there's a way to beat everyone. I have to be fit enough and strong enough to be able to fight at any style I need to to do that. It's hard to box well for 12 rounds. And that's what I pride myself on now is being fit enough to do what I need to do for 12 rounds. So we know boxing is your life, it's always been your life. So you'd have had serious ambitions to turn pro. How did that come about? Was there a set plan that you made, maybe with your family or someone around you? And how do you turn pro in Australia? Like, can you tell us a little bit about that? To be honest, bro, my, my old man turned, like, after Commonwealth Games, he was that frustrated and like we both were, that he was just like, nah, fuck that, you're turning pro. Like, he was, he, he, he didn't even watch my fight when I fought in Commonwealth Games because that's how bad I fought. Like, he, I think he watched half the first round and then he, he watched it back home with my family. And then apparently, this is what I heard the family said, he watched the first half of the first round and he goes, this is fucked. He's not even fighting properly and then walked out. And then when I got home, um, we had one more amateur fight in my hometown uh, against Joe Goodall, who got the silver medal at the Con Games. He was like, yeah, you turn him pro. You know, I, I feel like Australian boxing is reaching a sort of a peak at the moment. Like it was pretty down. When I first turned pro, I turned pro at 2015, I think. So it's been a couple of years. But now that, you know, we've got myself, Tim Zhu, George Kambosis, the Maloney boys. Mm. 
they're all different promoters, so they're all competing with each other. You know what I mean? Like they're all, you know, he's put on for, and they, you know, everyone's got a sort of, it's building. You know what I mean? And it's good. At, at the moment, it's, it's getting better. And there's a lot more platforms than what I had. And this is one thing why I want to fight at home so much. You know, I want to give these kids opportunities. You know, it's fucking hard out down our neck of the woods, man. Like, mm. we see, even like you guys having two hour flight to go to a different country, our whole country, you know what I mean? Like, our nationals is, it's so far to get somewhere else. You know what I mean? Like, we don't get the international experience like you guys do. So it was your first time in London was London 2012. So a week before that, you turned 17. So you're only just 17 when you turned Oh, about, yeah, a couple of weeks, I think, I think okay. like three or four So weeks. you only just turned 17. So you're a kid still. Yeah. And you turn up in London and then you draw the favorite into your 91 kilo heavyweight at this point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you draw the favorite in the first round of the Olympics. Were you nervous? Like in the Olympic Village and that, and like arriving at the Olympic Games as a 17 year old. How, how are you feeling at that point? Honestly, I, I, I wish I could have took it in more, you know what I mean? Like I was just a kid, I wasn't really soaking it up. I didn't realize what I had done. Like I remember seeing like LeBron James, Kobe walk past, like, but I was so shy. Like I did, I, I wish I would have soaked it up, but it's it's all learning, you know. I've learned so much from that, you know, being a kid back then. And I remember <laughs> I finding a, a, a video with um, Ellie Sackback. Shout out Ellie Sackback. Yeah, but you remember that? Yeah. And you're a kid, like, and you sat with the rest of the team, and we spoke before we started. Mm. Luke Jackson and yeah. um, who else? Jeff Horn. Like, it's a proper. There's some real names in that team. But you're 17 years old, and I, you seem very relaxed and confident in that video. In that, like, you're, it must have been before you boxed and like you're having some lunch or whatever. Mm. Was it a nice environment in that being in that team at that at that point? Can you remember? Um, yeah, it was good. I, I felt like uh, like I was treated like a kid too. You know what I mean? Like, did you have to make the teas in that? <laughs> oh, nah, nah, not too much. Bags. That, I was a kid, not a bitch, bro. You know? like, but it was um, like I was the sixteen, like seventeen year old kid in the team, and they were all like adults, you know, and. I don't know how those guys did it, you know? Like we, we were getting like $200 a fortnight. Like they were men. They had, some of them had families that more like houses to pay for. We weren't getting no fucking money. Like my mum was still doing my washing, you know what I mean? Like I didn't have stress about that sort of stuff. So I think that's why I was a bit more relaxed back then, mm. you know? Like win, lose or draw, I'll go back to my family's home and you know, I'll fucking sit on my game and do some training, you know what I mean? Mm. Like it wasn't like do or die for me then. Memories of the bout, your Olympic bout, was it uh, like, was it a blur? Like you remember it? Every fight's sort of a blur, you know, when you look back at it, but um, it went long in there, but then fast, you know, it felt <laughs> like it was over in a flash. But mm. um, I remember just being so burnt. Well, I lost by one point in the last round. You know, we would draw, and he was the favourite going in. Even I swear, even the coaches, man, just no faith in me. Hey, eh? I got I got the number one seed. You know what I mean? Then I was the least favourite to like it. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, to to win or like even win that one fight. It wasn't even like going in with a game plan. I swear they were just like, oh, you got the number one. And I'm like, yeah, fuck. And then my dad was over here as well. And I, was, I told my dad, and he's like, yeah, fucking let's go. Like, and I went in there pumped. And then after the first round, I come back to the corner and they're like, oh, fuck, you, you, you fucking do it all right. You get I'm like, fuck, man. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Even that, or learning. Or yeah, it's always it's, learning. And then the next day, mm. you've gone out, but you're in London and you're like, okay, just enjoy myself a bit. You went sightseeing with with the old man. Yeah. And what else happened? What else notable on that? Yeah, on that we, day? we had our first beer together. Right? Yeah. Fuck. 
got blind. <laughs> he got me blind. Hey? He was like giving me cocktails, all this. Fuck. And man. you were the one who suggested it, right? You were the one who called it on. Yeah, like, I was like, oh, I was getting a beer. And he's like, what? You want to have a beer? It's like, oh yeah, fuck, if that's all right. Because <laughs> Polynesians, like Islanders, man, will rule, you know, like, oh, you know, to your family and your parents, like, oh, you know, can I? <laughs> but he, yeah, he just ended up buying me a beer and that. But we got, fuck, he, he wanted to smash me on the He's got cocktails and this and that. Wow, yeah. <laughs> I remember just getting out of the taxi. I was just spewing up, man. He was filming me just laughing his head off yeah. and shit like that. So <laughs> fit fit in pretty well in London. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did you not get any ID? Did you have your... I had an ID. It wasn't mine. It was one of the boys <laughs> in the team was his brother's. He, he was like, oh, I'll try and use this. Look, nothing like me. But I think just because <laughs> it was Australian and they didn't know what it was. But when you have your athlete accreditation, they don't really care. As long as you're an athlete, you know. Did you have that on? Yeah. Well, you have to take it everywhere. Oh, okay, right. You, you just put it under your shirt. You know what I mean? It's like a necklace because you can't get in and out of the village without it. That was pretty much getting me into the clubs and that. But <laughs> yeah. I'm boxing so just, Olympic Games. Like, yeah. um, I literally I'm a, boxed yesterday. I think I'm pretty sure I'm 18, yeah. mate. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and did, uh, did the session where you fall out of the cab getting sick, did that put you off drinking for a little while? And was that your dad's plan? Or was you like, dad, same time tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Woke up the next day. Well, what part we going? <laughs> yeah. It was good. When did you hear about that? When was it put to you? Like, Jai, we're thinking first events are going to end up in London. I've been training and waiting to fight for so long that I've just been saying, listen, get me a fight. You know what I mean? Like, wherever it is, they said this. Like, I'm not arguing with them, you know what I mean? I'm not saying no. I'm just like, yeah, sweet. Where do I what's been, what's been the delay then? Like, do you know? Um, well, just with the other fighters, you know, I had like with Masanak and Riyakapur, there were just things didn't work out. So, you know, then they give me this fight. So I was like, yeah, sweet, let's do it. What happened with Masanak? Because it looked like that would be, because he was mandatory challenger, wasn't it? Man, I have no clue. <laughs> really? I mean, I don't know. It's, I don't think it's the fighter's decision. It's the people outside of the fighting that are, you know what I mean? The ones that aren't doing the hard work and the sacrifice that are getting in the way of these things. Mm. You know what I mean? It's it's honestly a headache and it was a fucking circus, but it is what it is. You know what I mean? It, it's happened. So we're just focusing all on 30th. You kind of blew a hole in the division, blew it wide open by beating the number one in Bradis and Obviously, Chris Billum-Smith kind of did the same against Lawrence O'Coley. He was a big underdog in that fight. How do you assess the rest of the division? Because it's such an interesting one with so many fights, particularly mm. in this country anyway. How do you look at the rest of the division? Is it exciting to be part of like a, a happening division? Yeah, for sure. I'm excited and I'm, and I'm the cruiserweight division is getting some noise now, you know what I mean? It's, there's some good fighters coming up, so it's good for all of us. It's exciting, you know what I mean? There's some big fights to be made and... I'm happy to be a part of them. You know, this is what I've been waiting for my whole life to be a part of these big fights and to be headlining it in, you know, places like OVO Stadium. You know, come here, make some noise, go back home, fly my flag. You know what I mean? Like, this is what it's about. Mm. I've been waiting my whole life for this shit. So it's finally here. Well, you feel like you're a long way from home, do you think, come fight night? And I feel like I'm here on a mission. I've got a job to do. You know what I mean? And I'm going to get that job done. Mm. Speaking of jobs, should we have a break there? Because we've got a feature in a minute. You two are going to go up against each other in a quiz. But we'll have a break there and then we're going to do the best feature we've ever done. 
Alright guys, I'm Andrew Johnston, but everyone calls me Beef. I'm starting the world's biggest golf club. I want to say it more like I'm some kind of like Marvel evil character. I'm starting the world. <laughs> no, joking. I'm starting the world's biggest golf club with my new mate, John Robbins. Tell him about the club, John. Basically, all you have to do to join Beef's Golf Club is listen to us chat about a different golf topic every week. And along the way, I'll be picking Beef's brains on what it's like to be an actual professional golfer. Make sure you subscribe to Beef's Golf Club. Right, gang, we're back. We're back in business and it's feature time. Every single week, Jai, we have a, a feature for every one of our guests and it's a quiz. If George writes it, it'd be me against the guest, but today I wrote it and it's you against, uh, it's you against George. Now, the name of the quiz is always something to do with, with, the, with the guest's name. Your name was the best we've ever had for puns, wasn't it? I thought I was going to do a quiz called Jai Latte, but then I got two questions in. I was like, I can't think of any other boxes with a drink in then they, <laughs> apart from Hamza Shiraz. So anyway, this is the quiz. It's called... Jaya liar pants on fire. <laughs> he hates it already. Right, so this quiz, we've got, how many have we got? We've got eight questions, okay? It's going to be you go, I go. Each question, I'm going to read out. One of them is true and one of them is false. I'm going to read out a statement. One of them is truth and one of them is a lie, okay? You've got to identify which one was true, okay? Now, you're the champion, Jaya, and you're the guest, so... You can choose whether you want to go first or second. Yeah, I'll go first. Always the way with cruiserweights, Enzo Macronelli did the same. Right, okay. Question one. Chuck Wepner, the man they based Rocky Balboa on, once boxed a bear. Or Chuck Wepner, the man they based Rocky on, retired after 40 fights and became a priest. Which of those is a lie? Did Chuck Wepner box a bear or did he become, did he a, become priest? a priest? Or I did he become a priest? You tell me. I don't know. I don't know number two. You think he became a priest? He boxed a bear. <laughs> and do, you know, do you know what? Apparently as well, he boxed a bear for the second time. The same bear. And he swore that the bear recognised him. <laughs> from the first fight. Uh, okay, so you're, that's a bad start, Jai, I'm yeah, afraid. And you know your title's on the line here as well. I thought, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was a priest. George. In 1989, a fight between Tony Wilson and Steve McCarthy ended early because Wilson's mother jumped into the ring and attacked McCarthy with her shoe. Mm. Or did it end early because Wilson's partner passed out at ringside? No, his mum jumped in with a shoe. Yes, she did. She it's on had, YouTube. Yeah, a little high hill. Little kitten hill. Bosh, bosh. One nil. One jumped nil, George. In the boxing room. Jumped yeah. in the ring. The old deer did. And yeah, <laughs> mum came to the rescue. Broke it up. Uh, okay, Joe, you got, got to get this one right. In the 24-7 series of, ahead of Juan Manuel Marquez's fight with Floyd Mayweather, the Mexican drank his own piss after a training session. Or in the 24-7 series, the Mexican ate a skunk's liver. Nah, he drank his own piss. He drank his piss. One all. You're on the board, right, George? <laughs> <laughs> Who wrote that second option? <laughs> <laughs> You'll know this one. Freddie Roach once said that Manny Pacquiao ran away from home as a kid because it got burgled four times in the same week. Freddie Roach once said that Manny Pacquiao ran away from home as a kid because his father killed, cooked and ate his pet dog. <laughs> even, even Ross is laughing. Uh, Did his house get burgled four times in the no, same week? No, he ate his dog. The old man ate the dog. Yeah. Did he eat the Correct. dog? Correct. He ate the dog. Although it's a, it's a myth. 
I'm not right. sure, it's, but that's what Freddie Roach claimed. Right? To, We're going to get in trouble for that one then. Nah, fucking hell, no, it'd be fine. If you're watching though, Manny, you can welcome on whenever you want. At the age of five, British heavyweight Daniel Dubois used to do push-ups for five hours a day and even set a world record for the amount he could do. Or, at the age of five, British heavyweight Daniel Dubois used to insist on sleeping on the kitchen table because he thought it would toughen him up. <laughs> is it push-ups or is it kitchen table? Surely he's not setting records up for Well, I don't know. Push-ups or kitchen table? I'll go. You're the sort of bloke I reckon would go, I'm sleeping on the kitchen table, it'll toughen me up. I've got a fight next week. Is it a kitchen table? Yeah. Mm, what do you reckon? Yeah. Kitchen, you reckon yeah, kitchen table? No. Push-ups. So dumb, eh? Why would he say Although I haven't table? managed to find it, but <laughs> he, claims, so he claims that's the truth. <laughs> he does uh, Apparently he was doing 500. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he was going number two number yeah. two <laughs> he's the one doing the press ups okay here's one unified world champion and self-proclaimed quote Clarissa Shields could not talk until she was five years old unified world champion and self-proclaimed quote Clarissa Shields could not walk until she was five years old could she not walk or could she not talk well no she couldn't talk which would be ironic. Yeah, because now she can talk. Yeah, it is irony, isn't it's it? It's true. Yeah. Very good. It's okay. Michael McIntyre sketch, isn't it? Back to you, Jai. Yeah, it is. Before the final fight of, of, of his career, George Groves spent the whole of fight week building a Lego Bugatti Veyron. Or before the final fight of his career, George Groves spent the whole of fight week binge watching Celebrity MasterChef. Celebrity MasterChef. <laughs> you tell it. Nah, he was. It's the, the Bugatti, Bugatti. Veyron. Oh, <laughs> you can you can tidy this one up now. Totally put a pin in it. In Jai's second professional contest, he boxed a guy called Rob Auto. Or in Jai's second professional contest, he boxed a guy called Rob Manuel. It was Manuel. It was Manuel, yeah, wasn't it? it? Was. Remember that fight? Yeah. Still know Could, Rob Rob Manuel. Didn't get out of second gear, did you? No. <laughs> <laughs> did it? He kept reversing. Jaya liar pants on fire. You made a good start to life back in London, but that's that's a bit of a, blo- a, a sort of on the copybook. Get out of the way now, You never mate. win. Be, you yeah. never win these these. Features, I was trying to you? throw it. Uh, sorry, well, anyway, the, but the good news is you get a chance to redeem yourself against Jordan Thompson. What do you know about Jordan Thompson? I think he's a decent fighter. You know, he's a tricky fighter, and he's obviously very tall. But um, hey, we're ready. And you said that um, you've been sparring since you got to London. In fact, you might even have a bit more sparring. Oh man, you know, if it's here, why not? You know, mm. I, I wanted to get some rounds in. You know, got some boys. They just sorted it out. They said there was some sparring, so we went there and showed them how we do business from down our neck of the woods, man. Oh, you've Love already sparred. You've already sparred since you've been here. I sparred, yeah. You get any fresh kills? So respect to the sparring partners. You know what I mean? I right. Appreciate them coming out. Mm. So what's the, what does fight week look like? Because this will be going out on a Wednesday. You're tapering at that point. How, how different is it tapering in the UK, like away from home and stuff? Or is it basically the same as always, same week as always? Just another day in the office, man. You know what I mean? I've been here before. I've done all this shit before. I just, and I listen, we got us a good trust. In, you know, I got my boxing coach and my pretty much performance coach. You know what I mean? Mark Wilson and Mark Math, both their names are Mark. <laughs> but, um, you know, they, they put their heads together. I pretty much do as I'm told. You know what I mean? I trust them to do their job and they trust me to do mine. Everything they give me, I do it at 110%. Fight week or even, yeah, do you envision fight week as a world champion to be different than fight week as challenging for a world title? Has it ramped up anything, anything feel different? Now you're the champion and people are coming for what you own. Like I said, man, it's just another fight to me. You know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to put some respect on my team and myself. 
You know, I feel like once we rocked up here, it's been a bit of a fucking shit fight, to be honest. You know, chuck us in these fucking dingy hotels. I feel like I've stayed at better places in my amateur days. Getting transportation to the, like, to our training gyms and stuff. There's no car sorted. Disrespectful. We're here defending a world title. We're main, main eventing OVO Stadium. Like, what the fuck is this? It's really put some fucking fuel on the fire, so. I'm what was wrong with it? You ain't got to name the hotel brand, just in case. We <laughs> they might want to sponsor what, what, was, what was the hotel? Not, these small rooms? It's dingy the, it's area? Not, it's, not, it's not like uh, trash, trash. But I'm still in training camp. Like, we need kitchens and stuff. You're like, well, we're fighting for world titles now, you know what I mean? This isn't small business stuff anymore. I just feel like the respect wasn't there 100%. They made a few excuses, but it is what it is. You know what I mean? We we still get the job done. I'm keen to get in the ring. It's been a long time. July must seem time. like a long time ago, like a lifetime ago for you. It has, but like I said, we've been down this road before. Like I've had so many surgeries. You know, I've been outside the ring. I've had to have these long recoveries and having to go back with a long layoff. Like it's just another day in the office for me. I'm built for this shit. I love it. You know, let's go. Brilliant. Do you know what we need, George? Uh, yeah. Before we let you go, we ask every one of our guests to give us a ring walk track to add to our playlist on Spotify. So this could be a ring walk track that you've used before in the past, one that you plan to use in the future. It could be Saturday's one. Or it could just be any tune. I guess a room going. Yeah, go, yeah we've, got, we've got conferring. But this, he picks a lot of my music. Oh, right? yeah. He's the big music head. He could give us a couple options. Do you know what your ring walk is for Saturday for Jordan Thompson? Yeah. You do? Is it, is it a secret? Like a Australian sort of crew. Okay. Yeah. Well, we could. We ain't got any, six. We haven't got Good any point. of that. We ain't got any Australian music on on the playlist. Like, there's hopefully it's on Spotify. <laughs> Is it on Spotify? These guys. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. There we Should go. Should we do that? Should we put that tune on there? If that tune comes on, yeah. it's going to give them a. They're visualizing being. Give them a little boost. Yeah. That's the first taste of Australian. Running the game. 046. 046, running the game. Okay, and that's what, that's what you're doing in the Cruiserweight division. Mm -hmm. So it, so all goes well against Jordan Thompson. Have you thought about what the next 12 months, 18 months looks like? My journey's been such a roller coaster that I just take one fight at a time. You know what I mean? I'll prepare 100% for the one fight, get dead out of the way, and then we focus on the next move. I really want to fight for the WBO. You know what I mean? My eyes are locked on that WBO. You know, Chris Billum Smith has it, and I'm not disrespecting him anyway. I think he's a good dude. You know, he's respectful in all his interviews. I'd love to fight Chris Billum Smith, but if he somehow doesn't have it by the time, I, you know, the fight comes around, I just want that WBO. I don't care who's got it. Mm. Have you watched Chris fight? Have you seen any of his fights? Yeah, you I see the Akoli fighting. I've seen a bit of it. You know, he's all right. Tough dude. Be a great fight, wouldn't it, George? It'd be a great fight. Mm. Yeah, let's... Well. To be honest, you might not quite know this, but any wishes that are spoken yeah. on this podcast, they come true, they mate. come true, mate. So if any, you want a unification say, clash for the WBO, that's the next. That's the next one on the on the GGBC list, then. So Jaya Pattaya against Chris Billum Smith in a unification fight with the IBF and the WBO. John Ryder came on here and said he wanted to fight Canelo in Mexico within months. It happened, and he never thanked us for that, did he? No, he didn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> Jai, thanks so much for your time during during the end of your training camp. We really appreciate it. It's first time we've ever done a podcast like this, so appreciate. really appreciate that, and uh, wishing nothing but the best on Saturday Thank night. You. Yeah, thanks for having and the me. big one. Thank you. How about that then, Deck? How about Jai Appetite? No, I was going to do the accent. That was terrible. <laughs> How about that then, George? Jai Appetite is in the club. It's another cruiserweight. It's another world champion. And you can watch him fight this Saturday night against our very own Jordan Thompson. But he's in the club. You could be in the club. All you've got to do is hit that follow button. And if you want to get in touch with us on the socials and send us some more John Fish. I mean, if you can beat John Fish, you're doing well. What's the social handle, George? GG Boxing Club. 
on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. They're like the major ones. They're the, the best ones. They're, they're the ones they catch us on. You can email us, ggboxingclub at crowdnetwork.co.uk. Uh, if you've got something a little bit more long-winded. If you're listening to us now on Spotify, we'll check out our playlist, The Ringwalk. Go back to one of our links on the socials. You'll have a link tree, loads of different links on there. One of them will be for the Ringwalk playlist. One of them will be for merchandise. You can get yourself one of them. What's the Australian hat you have with like little corks hanging from it? It's a good question. VRC Carpentry can help us out. I don't know the official name for it. It's nearly hoodie season, George. So if you, you think if yeah. you know that it's coming back, if you know you need a hoodie, we've got you covered in the merch alongside the snapbacks you could have the full kit i don't need it in my life at the moment though george because i'm in the sunny climbs of las vegas nevada where it's about 50 degrees and on friday i'm going to talk you through this fight week we're going to chop it up about canelo charlo on saturday night so complete the hat trick on friday enjoy your vegas night see you then mate see you then mate